This is your favorite sports podcast on the official Moose's Mulligan's website. Line shot, and it is caught, and the ball game is over, and the Los Angeles Dodgers have won the pennant. The Dodgers are headed to the World Series for the first time in 29 years. The Astros are one out away from their first AL pennant, one out away from a save in Game 7. Bird into center. Springer says he's got it. The Houston Astros win the pennant. Now here's your host, Alex Dreisick. All right, welcome back to Moose's Mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Stryzak. You can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, our official website, alexanderstryzak.wixsite.com slash Moose's Mulligans. So wherever you're listening, thanks for listening. Now we'll get you with your recent highlights, like always. In hockey, the Tampa Bay Lightning are leading with 15 points. at seven wins, one loss, and one overtime loss. And right behind them in total points is the Los Angeles Kings at 13. Switching over to the NBA as the season started. The Warriors today fell to 1-2 after a loss to the Grizzlies. And the Cavs now at 2-1 after losing to the Magic. Your East leaders, the Washington Wizards and Toronto Raptors are tied 2-0. And you go over to the West, the Rockets have gotten off to a good start at 3-0. Now the San Antonio Spurs improving to 2-0 right behind them. We'll be talking more about the NBA later in the show here with uh, with Ben Huff. Also, a major league, your World Series is set. You'll have the Houston Astros taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers making the World Series for their first time since 1988, and the Astros making it since the first time since 2005 with the Killer Bees as they look for their first World Series title as a franchise. Dodgers looking for their first one since 1988. And we'll be talking with Mark Burquist for your World Series preview later as well. And I'll be talking to Mark about another topic I've talked about before with Robot Umpires. We'll see if Houston's packing the umpires with them for the World Series as well. Dodger fans better hope not. And lastly, we're going to look at the NFL as the Raiders made their comeback in style with a 31-30 win over the Chiefs. Boys inside, they're not letting you run. Everyone's one-on-one now. You can throw to anybody on this play. He's one-on-one on top of here. One more time to decide if Carl on the run. Now, a lot of people saw this ending to this game as super exciting. I was the exact opposite. There was like six penalties or some crazy number in like ten seconds. And All right, what are you getting at? It just, to me, looked really stupid for football. It was like, oh, the game's over. Wait, no, hold on, penalty. Oh, the game's over. No, wait, hold on, penalty. Oh, does that one? I don't know. <laughs> Fooled ya. It seemed like to go way too long for me, and honestly, I just didn't care at that point because no matter what happened, someone's fan base was going to feel cheated with all the laundry on the field. All right, so the first part of this show, I wanted to talk about a little recap of what we've seen so far in the NBA, and we're going to bring in Ben Huff to talk about it. Hey, Ben. Hey, how you doing? Good. So one of the main reasons we're doing this is obviously Gordon Hayward had suffered a pretty gruesome injury. Terrible. 
and uh, our medical professional for the podcast, Dr. Alan M. Streisak, gave me the little report that Gordon Hayward apparently suffered a fracture of the bones that extend down on both sides of his left ankle as it dislocated. It has been surgically fixed with metal plate and screws to realign it perfectly, but usually it is too fragile to bear weight for around six weeks. So range of motion will begin sooner, and you know you gain weight and will, uh, will gradually improve. Uh, he may return later this year, but will still need to improve until next season, and especially after a second surgery to remove the metal hardware and fixing the fracture. So the first thing is, the Celtics, where they're at right now, I mean, <laughs> what what do you think their fans should be thinking, Ben? Well, I don't think they should believe that he's coming back really at all. And this kind of injury, while it's not a soft tissue injury, that would take longer than a normal, like a heart tissue injury that we've seen with Gordon Hayward. Um, we shouldn't expect him to come back at all. This is a pretty gruesome injury as we all saw. So the Celtics should be, will definitely be in the playoffs, but the way the Raptors and the Raptors and the Wizards are playing, I could see them dropping to the four or five seed. Yeah, I agree there. Um, I wouldn't panic if I were them. I mean, the, this this is why they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They have the young talent. It's a little early, but they've I think they've done a good job stepping in, and you know they got a good head coach in Stevens, and I think he'll be exactly what they need to get them through this. So I wouldn't panic too much if I were them. And definitely, you know, yeah. it all rests on the young guys. Basically, it all rests on Brown and Tatum and how their season's gonna play out. Yeah, and you know uh, Kyrie's still gelling with the new system, and I I don't think they should panic too much as much as other people have been. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit here, but the Warriors are one and two, and I'm sure their fans aren't panicking too much. But you know, it's just I think it's early in the season, and uh, with a bunch of new players, it's always going to take some time to gel. So going now, we're going to talk about uh, what team has disappointed you so far. Well, the team that's disappointing me the most so far is the Pacers. I still thought, even without Paul George, they could still really compete and do well against the teams in the East, and they really haven't shown that. They barely beat the Nets. They basically got blown out by the Blazers, and they just had a, a loss against the Heat, and they just haven't been playing well at all. I know Miles Turner has been out with the discussion, but they still have just not been playing well at all, and I'm very disappointed in them. Yeah, Miles Turner was in that game for a long time, though, and it was still close, even though he's playing so well, so I, I get the concern on that for sure. Now, for me, it's going to be like I was jumping on this from tonight, but it's the Warriors, and it's easier to say now that they're 1-2 and two and losing to the Grizzlies, but I was disappointed as soon as the, they let the Rockets even tie that game, let alone win it, and, you know, how close they played the Pelicans. I watched a lot of that game, and the fact that they let them hang around that long really concerned me about how this team's act. I mean, you know, the ejections for Steph Curry and Durant were interesting at the least. (laughs) It just kind of worries me that this team may honestly think they're coasting a little too much in my mind. Yeah. I could see, you would think that this team would have the chemistry already that that should put them ahead of everyone else, way ahead of everyone else. So this is a little concerning for me as well. It's a little interesting to see. You know, I saw a lot of Draymond Green shooting more than last year with the stats up. Nick Young's on the team shooting a lot. I don't know. It's it's a little interesting for me that that's how they're starting their season. You know, it's it's the big four, but is it really at this point? It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Now, I wanted to ask you, uh, we have to also go the other way and say what teams impress you so far. Let's Let's look positive. Oh, I love how the Jazz are playing right now. 
they just yeah. came off and beat the Thunder, the big three in the Thunder. So I'm really excited to see how they play. They're definitely impressing me so far this year. All I have to say, Ricky Rubio, underrated. I'm always saying Ricky Rubio, as you know. Yeah, <laughs> Rubio, and I, I might have to believe you now. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's just a great playmaker. He's setting it. Uh, Joe Inglis has been playing great for the Jazz. I'm proud of that. Uh, he's setting, making it easier on Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. Seem to be a good combo together. Uh, and Ricky Rubio is just a really good passer, and his defense is underrated to me. But uh, my team that's impressed me the most so far is the Cavaliers. I didn't think they'd run transition so well. I mean, with Wade Crowder and James together, it's looked pretty solid. And I, you forget that Isaiah Thomas will be coming back in December. And they're already running it pretty well. So, you know, I'm, I was surprised how well they ran the transition for the Cavaliers. I don't know how you thought yeah. about them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The Cavs kind of look like a brand new team. And I was really surprised by Derrick Rose. I didn't think he had anything left. And there was some first in between, or before his injury that kind of looked like old D. Rose, I mean, P.D. Rose. And yeah, so then his really ankle again. I know. It's, it's always that, you know. Gosh. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, the next uh, we're gonna go positive first this time. Let's go. What in player? What players impressed you the most so far? Well, Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo is just blowing my mind right now. After Saturday's game, he's averaging thirty-eight points a game. And I know it's only three games, but he's just doing everything, and he's just really impressing me, especially with the way his team's playing. He's playing really good teams, Boston and Cleveland. And they're two and one, so I'm really impressed by him and as well as Buck. Yeah, he's 22 years old and doing great. It ties into my most uh, player I'm not happy with, so I'll wait on that. But uh, for me, the most impressive player for me, I, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give Dwayne Wade a shout out on this for now. You know, not offensively what he was before, but his transition passing has been so smooth with LeBron, and he is holding his own on defense. But I'm gonna have to. My pick's gonna be Deontay Murray on the Spurs. He's just molded beautifully into Popovich's system. He got 10 rebounds tonight for Popovich. And he seems to feed LaMarcus Aldridge the rock, and definitely Aldridge is happy about it. Let's see. So moving on to the most disappointing player. Um, I'm going to start this one off because you said onto Kempo. I'm just going to come out and Jabari Parker isn't playing, and that's disappointing me. I know he's coming off the ACL and everything, but just to see how good the Bucks are doing. I mean, if he were there healthy, would he, would he be helping? Would he be not? I kind of want to get the answers, and I can't get it, so it's frustrating me a little bit. Uh, what would you say about your disappointing player so far? Well, I had the chance to go to the Suns-Lakers game on, on Friday night, and what I saw from Julius Randle was not good, not good whatsoever. Was it was he, it free tickets he, to that game? Hold on, because, I mean, Suns-Lakers. No, no. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't, but... The, the effort he showed on offense and defense, just, I don't know how he's asking for more minutes when he can't even put in the effort at all. He's making careless mistakes, and Larry Nance is just outplaying him by a lot, and I don't see him staying on this team after next year, to be honest. I agree. I mean, I he, he's complaining about 15 minutes a game, and it's what you do in those 15 minutes so far hasn't been very much. It's actually been almost backwards. Like, uh, Kind of, I've seen the same thing with Bogut on their team. It's almost like you don't want them on the court. So, like, oh, yeah. don't get me started on Bogut. Oh, <laughs> don't get me started on Bogut. Oh well, I'm not gonna list it as most disappointing because we kind of, ex- I'm, I was kind of expecting it, but not that bad. It was just, oh god. Yeah. But I'm gonna agree with Julius Randall on that. That's definitely been the guy who's been playing the worst. 
I just wish I could see Jabari Parker play because we've seen good flashes from him. And you know, definitely so, for sure. All right, well, thanks for coming on, Ben. Anytime, Blake. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're gonna have your World Series preview here with Mark Burquist uh, here on Moose's Mulligans. This is your favorite sports podcast on the official Moose's Mulligans website. You guys really are cowboys. What's your problem, Kazanski? You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Nice. Man, I am dangerous. Now here's your host, Alex Dreisick. All right, back here on Moose's Mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Dreisach. Check us out at Facebook.com slash Moose's Mulligans and Twitter.com slash Moose's Mulligans for all the latest on the podcast. So before we brought Mark Berkowitz on to talk to World Series Preview, I wanted to talk really quick about uh, what we saw and what could be coming in the future for the MLB. Um, I'm obviously going to be a little more biased about umpiring, so uh, I'll bring in some stats on this, but... With umpiring, it seems we're having a problem now with K-Zone on ESPN or uh, Strike Tracker, whatever it's called for Fox. And now fans are able to see a digitalized Strike Zone right on their screen, which is really putting the umpires on blast lately. And I know we've seen MLB Network analyst Eric Burns comment on him before. He said the sad thing is you have no clue what will be called a ball or a strike at any point of a game. You know, you continually on a nightly basis watch games that are affected by blown calls. And uh, Eric Burns also talked about it as, why do millions of people now sitting at home get to know whether or not it's a ball or a strike, yet the poor dude behind home plate is the one who's left in the dark? See, when I say robot umpires, everyone assumes I'm saying get rid of umpires. We don't need one behind there. I'm not saying that. We still need calls on bases, and which get reviewed anyway these days. Calls down the line, which get reviewed anyway these days. Home runs, which get reviewed these days anyways. And, you know, the umpire still needs to let the crowd know if it's a ball or a strike. I mean, they easily could have something that lights up on their wrist, and they call it a ball or a strike. And uh, now we look at the stats, and there have been a lot of studies on it, and they do track all the stats for every pitch now of what was called a strike what wasn't what was and it's unbelievable some of the stats they have even people gambling look at this now they bet on their umpires umpires have a bigger strike zone they're going to bet the under because there's going to be less offense and more strikeouts Uh, uh, umpires with smaller strike zones the other way there'll be more runs so they bet the over and runs It's, it's unbelievable to see what they do now and the sad part is they do the study for hbo and they study that one in eight pitches are called incorrectly on the regular, which is pretty unbelievable to think about. This is counting every pitch in a game. We're talking ones that hit the backstop or ones right down the middle of the strike zone. So if you take out what they considered not even close calls, they're getting close to one in three close pitches wrong. That's a lot, and that affects a game big time. And, you know... You look at it at a one in eight standpoint. There's just that's a lot of pitches. I mean, you have about what 250 pitches a game, 
and that's that's about 30 to 40 missed calls a game. That could be a whole game. And if you do it where it's every close call, there's about 100 close calls every game. And if you're missing every third of that, that that's a lot of pitches that go a long way in dictating this game. So I'm obviously in favor of robot umpires, and a lot of people I know that play baseball and love baseball don't like that I'm on robot umpire side, but I got to agree with Brian Kenny. I mean, and Eric Burns. It's not fair to the guy behind the dish to be put on blast every pitch. Why don't we help the guy? I'm not saying fire the guy, help the guy. You're welcome. All right, now that that's off my chest, we're going to move on to the World Series preview. All right, and here with our World Series preview, we're going to bring in Mark Berquist. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing good, Alex. So, we have the Astros and we have the Dodgers. Astros first pennant in the AL, and they haven't been there since 2005 in the World Series. And the Dodgers making it for the first time since 1988. What are your first thoughts on the upcoming World Series? Thank God the Yankees aren't in it. <laughs> I'll take that one. All right, I'm okay with that one. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I made kind of a little big deal on Twitter. Uh, that if the Yankees and Dodgers made the World Series, that I was going to boycott it. I wasn't going to actually, <laughs> but that that is the worst possible World Series combination. But it probably would have been the best combination for baseball. Right. But you know, with everything that Houston's gone through this year with Hurricane Harvey, uh, and just with how good the Astros were, and it felt like it was really, really quiet too. Yeah. It felt like the quietest 100 win season ever. <laughs> um, uh, I'm happy for them, and I'm, I'm going to be rooting for them. They're, they're my pick to to uh, beat the Dodgers. Right, you know, I would have been really happy with uh, the 12th meeting between the Yankees and Dodgers ever in the World Series, but I'm going to have to settle for this one. Uh, so we're going to play my favorite game, Money Talks and BS Walks. <laughs> and so... I'm going to say the statement, and you tell me if it's money or if it's crap. So (laughs) I got the first one here. So Kershaw and Darvish will have a lower combined ERA than Keuchel and Verlander in the series. This is hard, because you can probably count on Kershaw and Verlander to probably have to maybe give up one run each in two starts. Um, And it depends on which version of Darvish and Keuchel you're going to get. I'm going to say... Darvish Kershaw. Okay. So you're going to say that's money. Okay. I'm, yeah, that's I'm, money. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say BS. I think that the Astros lineup, the, you know, I think that they've seen Darvish a lot already, which helps. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to be enough to get it done. So the second, yeah. yeah, the second statement we're going to go with is the Astros will be the first to win a road game in this series. That's money. Yeah. That's funny. I, I gotta agree with that. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, I'm gonna go with game two. I That's th- what I was. Yep. I think he's gonna go Darvish, but Dave Roberts hasn't said yet. It might be Rich Hill. And honestly, I, I think game two in LA is Houston's for the taking. And then I would love to see them take it in Houston in five. So that'd be my hope. Yeah. And then the last question I'm gonna ask you is, which old man is gonna have a bigger impact in this postseason, Carlos Beltran or Curtis Granderson? Can I say neither and say Chase Utley? <laughs> All right, we're gonna, I like that answer. So you're you're going money on Chase Utley? I'm going money on Chase Utley. He's gonna come in. He's probably only gonna start one, maybe two games, but he's gonna come off the bench in in one of the four games in LA, 
is going to come up with an insanely clutch hit because that's what Chase Utley does. And everybody's going to hate it because everybody hates Chase Utley. For the slide, definitely. <laughs> but yes. I, I like how he's a grinder. I'm rooting for him to have a good series. But I'm going to go with Beltron. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, at the NL Park, he's going to pitch hit. And he's always been clutch, switchy. And mm-hmm. I, I just think he's going to get one out at Dodger Stadium. And that that whole place back at Houston is going to just be waiting for the Dodgers to come back 1-1. So I'm going yeah. to say Carlos Beltran's bigger influence. But it should be. One heck of a World Series either way. These two teams built up. Now, um, do you think these two teams will meet again in the World Series before uh, 2020? So 18-19. I'll give them so 2022. I'll give them a third year. So you give them a third year. I'm going to say no because I think this will be the last year the Dodgers are good. I definitely agree. I don't even know how they're Bold. good right now. <laughs> prediction. I think next year the Diamondbacks win the division. And then in 19 and 2020, it is the San Diego Padres' time to shine. Wait, 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 hey, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Can you start over? <laughs> Finally, the rebuild's coming through for you, Mark. <laughs> yes, and that is my mic drop. Oh, all right, well, thanks for coming out and telling us the Padres are on their way back. <laughs> we'll enjoy the World Series, too, for sure. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Right. Always a pleasure being on. <laughs> I always love hearing Mark's opinions, even on the Padres. Gotta love it. Now, I may be an idiot, but there is one thing I am not, sir, and that, sir, is an idiot. All right, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Facebook.com slash Moose's Mulligans and Twitter.com slash Moose's Mulligans. Check us out at Google Play, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio, and AlexanderStryzak.wixsite.com slash Moose's Mulligans. And until next week, fairways and greens, no mulligans. I'm your host, Alex Dryzak. Enjoy the World Series. We'll see you next week.